Hello, welcome to another episode of Unpacking Neuroqueerness. Today, I have another special guest, Macy Sutantiu. Yes, um, perfect. Uh, from Autism Career Pathways. Um, Macy is one of the first pers- uh, people I started following on Instagram when I started getting into this neurodiversity um social media uh, community Um, and I've also listened to the episode uh, she did on Mind Your Autistic Brain on Carol Jean's podcast a couple years ago and I really liked that one Um, and so today I have Macy here and we're going I'm going to ask them a little bit about their journey and their business as well. Welcome Macy. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. No. Thank, yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you for coming on. Um, sure. So, yeah, the first question I wanted to ask you today um, is just tell us a little bit about yourself, like your work mm-hmm. with autistic people as an undergrad at, at UCLA yeah. and your your own autism discovery and then, you know, leading to your business. Sure. Happened, yeah. yeah. So, professionally, I have been working uh, with autistic people of all ages now, but I started working with autistic kids as an undergraduate at UCLA. So at that point, uh, I was majoring in psychology and they placed me for my field work in an autism classroom in Los Angeles uh, for autistic kids. And of course, most of those kids, many were under the supervision of uh, Dr. Lovas's mm. uh, project. Oh. The, yeah, the, that project. <laughs> so that's how I got into it. So I learned uh, as a behavioral therapist and actually uh, moved my way up. So after I finished school, I started working at the biggest, one of the, I think still is the biggest ABA agency in the world. And I, um, I got, I experienced uh, burnout <laughs> once I made it to the top as a clinic supervi- uh, supervisor here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Because uh, the part that I really enjoy was actually working directly with autistic kids, with autistic people. And I, I was really, really good at it. And once, unfortunately, you move up to the top, then you have to do all these other stuff, mm-hmm. logistics. That's part of your requirement as a supervisor. And it was just like too much. Um, and then I got certified in, so I left. So I'm a former behaviorist. I left to... Uh, got trained and certified in a relationship-based program. So at our clinic, we only work with parents. And as an openly autistic personnel, I have, it has come full circle for me because, you know, I, I, when I work, I always think about like, how would I feel if that kind of recommendation uh, was made for me? You know, so everything that I do for each client, it's never the same because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're all human beings and that's where we 
fail at times because we like to put people in boxes. Uh, and I think that's what I've learned. I've been doing this for three decades, a long time. And, uh, you know, interventions and programs and methods, this training, that training, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. And it doesn't help yeah. if our work with that client um, does not begin with honoring that person's identity and with us building connection with that client yeah. right so so that's professionally and then as a nonprofit founder autism career pathways i created the nonprofit because i watch my clients grow up uh yeah. finish school uh you know got a degree and yet uh can't get even get a summer job at Domino's, even though they mm. eat pizza every day. Mm-hmm. So I, I got really pissed, like realizing this, like autistic people, autistic kids, the moment they got that label yeah. on them, they are the hardest working human beings on this planet. I mean, autistic kids don't even have childhood anymore. <laughs> Because it's all about going from one therapy or another That's school true. and That's then true. going home and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing extra homework or therapy at home, you know, and that there's no more childhood the yeah. moment you have a diagnosis, you know. And yet I've witnessed my clients with really loving parents, you know, grow up. I was part of each family. Mm-hmm. I this, The world is not ready for them. The community is not ready for them. Yeah. There's no curiosity about what can this person (laughs) teach me. Yeah, exactly. Bring into my business, my company. I was so sad. So that's 2019. I left behind basically um, my work at the clinic to really take a year off and connect with autistic people and autistic people who are in this space for neurodivergent employment what's going on and it's really very depressing and uh, i decided to get uh, to look into diagnosis for myself because during that period that was the beginning of covid right Mm -hmm. i talked to so many people on zoom and at the end of each conversation many of them say oh when when were you diagnosed? You're autistic, right? So they were able to spot me before I was able to spot myself, to spot myself as an autistic person. So that's how I decided, okay, maybe I should look into this. Um, and I, I'm the first one in my family to receive a proper diagnosis as an autistic person. I also have sensory processing disorder, auditory processing disorder. I have dyscalculia, number dyslexia, and I was a late reader. So I struggle so much in school. School sucked. Mm. <laughs> I yeah. somehow graduated, but with my master's degree, I failed the first time around. So I, I was able to go back to school to get my master's in curriculum and instructional, instructional design at the age of 40 and it was all online which is the only reason why it suits me there were still a lot of tears my mm-hmm. daughter was like four or five and she, oh, man. Wow. she saw me 
like failing my first couple of projects. I was in tears and she was like, mommy, it's okay. Next time you're going to get A through Z. That's what she said, (laughs) you know? So, so that's my story, like professionally. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it must've, um, what was it like when you, when you realized that you were also autistic, like reflecting back on your previous work and all that? Well, I think I, when I look back, definitely I was following the rules that Mm -hmm. other people um, gave or set up. You know, ABA, of course, was all about compliance training, but mm-hmm. also the co- those compliance training was also given to the therapist, the practitioner. Mm. You know, we had to comply to a very rigid protocol. Yeah. <laughs> Taking data and all this. You know, I, and it's, it's funny because of my learning challenges. Taking data was very hard for me. Yeah. Like I just, I just, my mind can't compute. Mm-hmm. Like, how many times was that? You know, unless the session was videotaped, or unless someone else was in the room to, um, because you can't see yourself yeah. as you're. If you're doing your job, you're interacting with a client and doing whatever. It's very hard to go back. You know, so I'm one of those people who have very poor working memory. Well, autistic and ADHD, so it's yeah. like yeah, when it's mean. gone, it's gone. Like, yeah. what was that? What you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, so it's just uh, not. I mean, I just I think I challenge a lot of the the theories and the whys, right? Yeah. Because it, I couldn't if I can't. If it doesn't feel good to me or I, I can't figure it out. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I think I ended up doing a lot of connecting with my clients. In fact, I, the first client I work with, he was four at that time. We still text each other every day, mm-hmm. like very uh, often, you nice. know, mm-hmm. and that's really amazing. That's a privilege yeah. for me to be still in their lives. So when I think back, I think they were, I think for sure I was, I become good at what I do because I'm autistic. I mm-hmm. just, I just, uh, refuse to settle for less. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to my clients, yeah, you know, and so the, and my autistic brain was very creative. So I was assigned to many clients who actually have very complex co-occurring conditions, right? Mm-hmm. Apraxia, yeah. non-speaking kids, and they didn't care what mm-hmm. kind of character you're going to dangle in front of them. They just couldn't do it because their mind and their body is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, uh, but I enjoy working with this group of neurodivergents because I just get them. Even yeah. then, I, I'm still like that. Even though I meet a non-speaking autistic person, I just get the vibe. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not autistic... <laughs> I wouldn't have this kind of relationship with my clients, right? Yeah. Um, and, and oh gosh, did I answer your question? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, yeah, I was just, 
I tend to ramble. No, no, I I do the same thing, and, <laughs> and it's um, yeah. I was just thinking um about about that with um, you know, the connection that the the you were talking about the vibe um right. that you have with neurodivergent kids uh, or mm-hmm. neurodivergent people in general. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel the same thing because I, I've been noticing, like, especially after I've learned more about neurodiversity, like things that I didn't even know right. as an autistic person myself or before I even knew I was autistic, similar to mm-hmm. you, um, that um, I, I always felt like with, with most people, they wouldn't understand they would yeah. just they wouldn't get it like they yeah. they would try to help me and I knew they were trying to help me but they weren't really um it's it's like they just couldn't understand it from the way I was seeing it but and, it's a different lens yeah exactly and and um and then I start so when I started learning more about it I'm like I started and I can name these things like rejection mm-hmm. rejection sensitive dysphoria yeah. like alexithymia um, right. like special interest, hyper focus, mm-hmm. literal yeah. thinking, um, direct right. communication, right. um, and and then I I realized that with my neurodivergent friends, mm-hmm. um, and because I, I have both autism and ADHD, and so I have a lot right. of ADHD friends, and and even with yeah. them, even the ones that aren't necessarily autistic, I there's a lot of overlap of experiences mm-hmm. and perspective, so. Yeah. Um. It's just I've been re- I've been really noticing that more like oh this is why I connect with this person and then also right. interestingly, I have a friend that I was actually just visiting recently. They live in Oregon and we've right. been friends since kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um. When like here in the Bay Area, uh, and they also found out just a few years ago that they're autistic and ADHD. Um, right. And I, I had found out, like, the same thing. I had found out a little sooner, but, like, at that time when we mm-hmm. were kids in school, we didn't, none of us knew. None right. of our teachers or parents knew. Um, and we just got along really well. And yeah. we got along better that, with ourselves than we did with the other yeah. kids. Yeah. Um, and then now yeah. it's become so clear to both of us right. why that was. Yeah, because yeah. you you speak a common language. Yeah, it's a language. It's a culture. It's a language. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think back of other people in my family mm-hmm. who are definitely neurodivergent. You know, uh, yeah. possibly autistic. Right? Yeah. Uh, I my my dad. And possibly my brother, my auntie, my mom has a minimally speaking uh, Down syndrome, a sister with Down syndrome. So in our family, it's just kind of like, that's just who we are. Yeah. Right. And I think my mom was really intuitive and terrific, like raising me and just (laughs) handling like explosive meltdowns every mm. other day like i was the easy one actually mm. <laughs> he just put me in the playpen mm. with some plastic toys to stack and i was one of those toddlers mm. who just do that Re- mm-hmm. arrange rearrange arrange rearrange without a peep you know mm-hmm. so and my brother was the opposite mm. right yeah yeah so yeah that's 
that answered the question, your question earlier with the thinking back. And I think after my diagnosis, I was able to understand why I had broken relationships. So then I was able to go back and kind of forgive, you know, and have mm. closure. Um, and also even with my brother, I know now if I don't agree with him, I we just agree to disagree. Yeah. You know what I mean? I celebrate him with all of his accomplishment. His mm-hmm. thing was he loves cars. Mm-hmm. Like since he was young, he always had cars. Uh-huh. And he happily yeah. owns I had a lot of cars. <laughs> he he owns yes, a lot of cars and also he runs an auto detail. It's a luxurious auto detail. Oh. Uh, and rental business in my native country. Oh, cool. Is living his best life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, yeah. And this is what I tell parents. When I was little, there was really no therapy or no proper diagnosis. Mm-hmm. You, we just had our parents. Yeah. You know, and I was very lucky that I had parents who were very intuitive, especially my mom. I think because she had... Um, a special needs as sister, little sister, mm. you know. Yeah. So she had grown up watching um, other uh, siblings take care of, you know. And yeah. you, all you do is just radically accept the person that like, this is who the person is. My aunt is the boss. <laughs> she still mm. is. Like what she said goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that is exactly the formula when you have neurodivergent kids you really figure out over time how to you respect their identity and go with their priorities and that's how you do you meet in the middle so then you learn how to speak their language and vice versa yes exactly you know what i mean Yeah. yeah that is That's one of the first things that I came across that I realized when I started entering the whole neurodiversity paradigm and, you know, just reading more about it. It was the double empathy theory. And it it was just, I was so, I'm still so flabbergasted about how most people don't realize that. Like, it's always been all about, in terms of, like, social communication, for instance, one as an example it's always been all about making the autistic person fit the current normative right. molds instead of trying to adjust the environment or yeah. people's understanding to the perspective of the autistic person and their identity and seeing you know their autism as a, a core part of their identity and that that's you know it means it's not. It doesn't mean like it's only positives or it's only struggles, but it's both. Yeah. And so I guess it was, yeah. I think um, a few things, right? What, mm-hmm. One, people don't, don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Right? And uh, I think even all the educational training for professionals and educators, yeah. the trainings were very are still very much based on that pathology model. Yeah, exactly. So when people graduate 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know a lot of PhDs who are still implementing yeah. all this BS, wow. right? Yeah. Behaviors and things like that. And it's because, and I think it's very dangerous mm-hmm. for all of these, for all professionals serving the neurodivergent individuals to say, I've always done it this way, mm-hmm. or I spent 10 years in school, or I've, I've written five books, mm-hmm. and so on. I looked at my bookshelf and pulled out all these books that even five years ago, like, I normally don't finish books because I mm-hmm. don't have the attention. I just like to collect yeah, them. Too. But just looking at the title, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, this is ableist. You know. This is, you know, I hope yeah. this author has changed. Oh, I, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I think that's why we need really radical changes, a radical movement, radical acceptance. And it's still very hard because all of the systems, you know, educational system, medical system, uh, support for neurodivergent people. It's all based on um, best best practices for neurodivergent people. I don't believe in teaching autistic people to pass job interviews. I agree, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. There was actually like a huge funding millions to train autistic people to mask basically exactly we're trying to unmask not mask more correct yeah correct because it's easier yes when it's not on you to change it's on the people you consider lesser Mm -hmm. or people you look down to it's just easier right and I think the challenge also is it's hard to translate, uh, you know, changes and accountability in the curriculum. But that's every curriculum I design, whether it's for teachers or for like parents, the basic foundation is the same. You know, yeah. we do an overview, autistic led mm-hmm. overview of autism and neurodivergence. We start the same way, right? So I think. We have to change our minds. Well, affirming knowledge that will hopefully change your mindset mm-hmm. from a fixed mindset to a compassionate man's mindset, yeah. right? And hopefully that will help you to want to learn more from neurodivergent people, right? Yeah. Then you're going to learn how to walk the talk, mm-hmm. right? And don't just hire autistic people to present every April. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Exactly. It's like we're not tokens, like what mm-hmm. we do. You know, I get so yeah, frustrated too. because there are no follow-up. Yeah, you know? exactly. But I, right. But, you know, we're working towards autism acceptance. Maybe that's better than nothing. Yeah. But how do we have community businesses and companies, mm-hmm. people who don't know, who are not touched by neurodivergence to want to be curious like people stop being curious yeah about neurodivergence and what it's all about so if if it stays like that then it's just talking it gets frustrating like because i feel like people i don't know sometimes it, it feels like you know 
people don't take it like what I'm doing and what I'm talking about like they don't take it seriously enough like they're like oh nice that's great um that's really good for you that you've found this passion or whatnot and I'm like but it's not it's more than a passion it's like serious like advocacy like I'm trying to change the way autistic people get treated you know um but you're making a huge impact because I think through your podcast, you help reframe neurodivergence for our community. Yeah. Because that's how we can self-advocate. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to talk about our, our own neurodivergence in a way that we feel empowered. And that's hard yeah. to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm very privileged. I was privileged because of my mom. Uh, and today I have people who love me as an autistic person. That's yeah. a huge privilege. True. You Same know what I mean? Me, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. And the way that you and I, the fact that you and I are here doing this, uh, I think because we can, and that's mm. amazing, yeah. you know, that you, so you're changing the narrative because mm-hmm. the narrative has to change uh, through us first, yeah, exactly. right, mm-hmm. right, and and maybe if there are other people who are ready to change or learn, then we can influence that change. We can't yep. force change, but we can influence change over time. It may not happen mm-hmm. in our lifetime, which makes me sad, but I I'm, I feel like okay, it's it's fine, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I do what I can, and if yeah. it doesn't happen, yeah. it's all right, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> Same with me. Like, I know that at least, like, even if I don't, like, the system as a whole doesn't change in my lifetime, I know that it's, like, I'm planting seeds. Like, every person that listens to my podcast, especially those that aren't really, like, don't have much exposure to neurodiversity and can understand the different, you know, this perspective and, you know, shifting the mindset. Um, and, uh, and it, it will, it will lead to, you know, yes. slow. Right. Yeah. Um, it will hopefully snowball eventually, yeah. but we, I think the autistic community, we have to work together mm-hmm, absolutely. You know, instead of doing our own thing and we're brilliant and everyone is doing their own thing, which is great. But then, um, you just keep reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I love doing online courses with other autistics because yeah. it's more fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Instead of me just mm-hmm. doing the lecture, I always, I think our events are always fun. Yeah. Uh, I really like it when I have like guests that like my favorite episodes to do on my podcast are when I have guests because of course it's more like, you interesting. know, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. 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 So that's where we are. It's awesome. like I think the hiring intent for neurodivergent employees mm-hmm. are still very selected. Yeah. Selective. True. Yeah. Yeah. Selective. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So what I wanted to ask you also, um, I know like a little bit of like how because you've talked about how you got inspired to starting autism career pathways but was there like one specific person or one specific conversation maybe that you had that that really led you to to start it 
Well, my adult clients. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that they finally finished college. They have degrees. Yeah. And yet the opportunities um, are not there. Yeah. Um, I, I work with many 20-something uh, neurodivergent client, and it still struggle to be able to survive college every day. Yeah. Because you are supposed to have a support person, and the support person keeps nagging you, pay attention, listen, pay attention. You know, I'm not really, really get upset yeah. if someone no, tells that's me that. Yeah. You know, I don't want to have Jimmy mm-hmm. the Cricket on my shoulder. No. It's so distracting. Like support, not like, um, you know. Right. It's distracting yeah. and it's mm-hmm. so demeaning. It's an insult to my client's intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, it's just so sad that it's like we're still very much misunderstood. Yeah. And yeah. it's like all the support pieces are very ableist based, very behavior based. Mm-hmm. And if you're in college, for example, some professors would be okay with the kind of support or accommodation you need. And the other two professors are not mm-hmm. agreeable. So then if you're autistic, you have to learn yeah. all these details and you have to mask differently. Exactly. You mask, it makes so you mask terrible. a lot. It was, yeah. Terrible. And the people who sits on the top mm-hmm. at these, you know, organizations and like yeah. organizations that are supposed to provide support for mm-hmm. autistic college graduates yeah. or autistic students they have that mentality like this is oh this is how we've done it i mean you're exactly tired, you're, and yeah yeah mm-hmm. your your young adult has too much extreme too many extreme behaviors so he doesn't qualify anymore for a support person what <laughs> wow. yeah it's, oh my gosh and it's a fight yeah it's a fight because they, I realized too, like, you know, later on, like in the last year or two, I was thinking back and, you know, because I struggled a lot in school as well because yeah. of, you know, it's not, the proper support isn't really there and it's more about like making you fit their molds instead of accommodating you. And um, so I realized that the disability departments... Most of them are probably, most of them probably don't have any disabled people in there and right. probably aren't consulting disabled people. Of course. Yeah. Of course not. Um, so now it makes sense. Like, oh, okay, no wonder they weren't really helpful because it's the same kind of ABA, you know, neuronormative right. kind of culture. That, yeah, exactly. And Yeah. yeah. This is what I say a lot. Autism doesn't hold you back. Mm-hmm. At work, discrimination, discrimination does. Discrimination does. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my next question that I have, I just have a couple more questions. Sure. Um, in your opinion, what are some of the biggest prejudices, if you had to name a couple, the biggest prejudices that autistic people continue to face in the workplace nowadays? And what are some of the best steps that employers can take to change that? Well, I think the biggest prejudice is uh, 
I think how autism is uh, perceived or neurodivergence is perceived, right? That it's very rare that you can come out clean as a neurodivergent person in a professional setting. Mm -hmm. Very rare. Right? Yeah. Because you don't feel safe. You don't feel like you can trust your colleagues at work to be accountable and learn and ask questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To care. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. I'm sad to say many people don't care. It's true. Because it's it's not my problem. That kind of attitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I've experienced that. Right, I think yeah. that the biggest prejudice that uh, the way neurodivergence is represented. Yeah, because it's represented like this whole disorder characterization, right. deficit you know. disorder. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Behaviors, mm-hmm. behavioral behavioral problems. Yeah, people, looking yeah. at it only at the behavior, yeah. and, and an analogy that I use a lot is like the behavior is just the smoke alarm, which is telling you that there's a fire, which is like the right. bigger thing that you want to address, which is maybe sensory right. overload or, or you know it right. could be anything. Right. But there's just all this focus on behavior, and what it's doing is it's literally like you're like turning off the smoke alarm instead of putting out the fire and you're letting the fire burn more so yeah that's um that's just how it is that's why over 85 percent of autistic college graduates are unemployed or underemployed yeah because just like what happened to me eventually you're gonna hit that rock bottom and you're gonna explode and then you're going to have to walk away and uh, to recover. Uh, and then you have to start over again. Yeah. yeah it's very... What a shame. Very, very... If there, yeah. there are no autistic people, like, 40, 50 years ago, we won't have a computer. We won't have Wi-Fi. We won't have electric cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> We it's won't true. have, like... The world and our society need neurodivergent minds. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. People don't realize, like, all these... Because I, I was, like, thinking about it recently, and then when I watch these shows about, like, inventors and such, mm-hmm. and I start... You know what? I was thinking, like, I think a lot of these inventors and creators are neurodivergent. Absolutely. Yeah. Many athletes are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I always have fun talking off record. About like, mm-hmm. okay, because I love sports watching. Yeah. That's one of my special interests. Uh, uh, I'm a big yeah. Warriors. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, the, the next final question I have, uh-huh. which we might have already talked a little bit about, um, but what what are some of the most effective ways? Like maybe a couple specific examples of advocating uh-huh. for inclusion in the workplace or inclusion by a certain industry in general. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think uh, my first uh, tip is not don't do it alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you need like a team. 
right? Yeah. So uh, your DEIB person mm. put together a team, and mm-hmm. hopefully there are some neurodivergent people within that team. I see. And then you you start learning, you yeah. know, what are the kind of knowledge that would be important and appropriate to disseminate within your company because every company has a different culture, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe you start like hiring an autistic consultant yeah. to do that basic neurodiversity one-on-one. I do that at me and many other autistic advocates do yeah. that. Um, but then you have to follow up with what are our action items mm-hmm. to do it. You you have the recordings. What do you do? Maybe you can um, change your policy. Yeah. Because I've been thinking right? a lot about, because I'm an actor and right. I, um, I had this really unpleasant interaction. It was actually all by email, but with my talent agent last year. Right. Um, she submitted me out for an audition and what so like it was so like it made me so mad because the audition itself so it was a self-submission tape and yeah the audition itself was actually she told me that it was good that part it's the audition but then there's what they call the slate video which is when you introduce yourself so it's like a 10 second video before the audition and it's basically you they ask you to just say and you know i take instructions literally of course and right. they ask you to say your name location and height um but what the, apparently what and what they're really trying to do is see your personality and that's yeah. like i started realizing that the whole slating process for commercial auditions is very ableist because that was the critic that the criticism that my agent told me she said that the slate was terrible she literally said some of the most ableist things that i've ever heard she said that it looks like i have no fun in life and that i would be no fun to have on set and i'm like that is just that made me so mad because i was like i like do you even does she even realize how ableist she's being right now? And I sent her an entire email, like, you know, calling her out for what she said and, like, saying that that's extremely problematic. Um, And how, and it just made me realize this isn't even an issue. This isn't even just her. Like, the whole industry, this whole idea that you have to put on this cheery, neurotypical personality for five or ten seconds and someone's going to judge your entire personality based on just that, Mm -hmm. on if you can make a cheery, happy face. And it's like, even if you do the job well, so what? it's like, I do the job well. Like, it shouldn't matter. Like, I had to do some... And it's like the kind of things that they ask of you. I was talking to some of my other neurodivergent friends too, like that really don't like slating. Because there's some auditions that you don't have to slate and that we really like that because the slate is so silly. It's like you... It's like a trap. It's a trap. And like literally they'll make you talk about some family trip or something. And then it's so... it's As an actor too, like I'm trying to to prepare on the, the, you know the actual audition and I'm trying I have to think of some kind of random other story about my family 
and I have to like tell this story in some kind of interesting, cheery way. And it's like, (laughs) that's not at all. Yeah. So what I've been thinking of anyways is um, I'm thinking of reaching out to some of my other neurodivergent actor friends. Yeah. And maybe like writing a letter or or, or a petition or something. Like I think maybe starting with like a letter and send it to all the major casting directors in the Bay Area. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I I know mm-hmm. some actors for sure, but they're not in the Bay. Be in the Bay. Yeah. They're in California though. Mm-hmm. Many of okay. them are in LA. <laughs> okay. Well, that might that would be great because yeah, maybe I could get totally. in touch with them too. Yeah. And uh, and then we can all like. I write. love that idea. Awesome. What a great idea. Thank you. Yeah. You should come on a live Instagram on Autism uh-huh. Pathways. Oh, I will. Instagram. For sure. Okay, good, good. So we, we, we should announce this. Okay. This is a, a, a cool project. Awesome. Cool project. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you'll get a lot of people. Oh, to that's sign. great. Yeah, Fantastic. that's great. Yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. So, so, so to go back to you, the earlier question in terms of like what should the company do i think it just admit you don't know everything mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> right? and, and like, like don't no no like, human being knows everything yeah <laughs> and particularly <laughs> yeah step. like just know you don't know uh-huh. much about neurodivergence and don't like be judging people on these like right. normative ideas that you exactly. have exactly yeah. exactly because mm-hmm. once you admit okay i don't know about this it makes mm-hmm. me uncomfortable that means I don't know about much about this. Yeah. But fortunately, today there's so many neurodivergent people online mm-hmm. with this kind of expertise, right? Mm-hmm. So you hire and pay. And Please yes. pay. Yes, we pay. <laughs> because, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. don't get me started on that one. Uh, the Yeah, and then you, you have to change together what is it i mean it's very hard to just have one person who feel really passionate about influencing influencing change yeah it's true i've noticed that i've noticed that yeah you need to commit together Mm -hmm. absolutely as a business as a company how can we make our business or company culture to be neurodivergent friendly yeah so uh, you, exactly. you got to change your mindset because when you change your mindset, you're going to change your attitude. Yep. And hopefully you have a, a humble attitude about, I don't know everything. But once I learn and partner with neurodivergent people, it's going to be fantastic. Exactly. We're going to stand out. Yeah. We're going to become more competitive. Yeah. Because... And I we feel have, like it, yeah. yeah, will be more heard too. It's like because that, then that it started come like when this whole thing started coming to me about like, you know, um, I was thinking, oh, how can I make a bigger impact in the whole industry? Like, if I can't do that by myself, it's not going to do much good if it's just me writing these people. Right. But and then I it clicked. If I get all my neurodivergent actor friends together. Yes. and write this together mm-hmm. and then send it to every and it's like they see oh my god there's an entire group an entire community of people here right. that's you know talking about this then we can actually we can have a chance at like changing making some significant change 
in the right. industry and so i'm just like oh my gosh like this was just we don't do it alone that's yeah. really yeah. i mean the first step is to mm -hmm. partner up uh collaborate because yeah. it's actually you you're trying to figure out a much better identity mm -hmm. company culture right so you can't do it alone yeah you know because then every time you hire someone new you start over again so of course Changing the policy is important and uh, creating opportunities and events for all employees to learn together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll just say for people, if you want to learn more about Autism Career Pathways as a nonprofit, to check yes. out uh, at Autism Career Pathways. I will be linking it below as well. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. Uh, on Instagram because it's really yes. safe and fun in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, thank you once again for coming on. Um, it was of a course. really great, really great episode. Really happy to have you on. You know, one of the first people that I started following. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, and hopefully we can do this uh, or something similar again Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. Anytime. I'll, I'll reach out about coming on on Autism Career Pathways to talk of about this, this whole project. Of course, yeah. anytime. All awesome. right. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Um, oh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and um, see you next time.